Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of 1 Peter. The book of 1 Peter in chapter number 2. The book of 1 Peter in chapter number 2. We've been watching through this wonderful epistle of 1 Peter with the theme of strengthening the brethren. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ had pulled the uh, Peter aside as Jesus was preparing to go to the cross of Calvary. And he said that when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. And that we know that the writings of 1 and 2 Peter were the answer to that prophecy, that prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that through the book of 1 and 2 Peter, we could see that Peter is indeed by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, strengthening the brethren, the scattered brethren abroad. Remember that persecution is right around the corner. And the idea of 1 Peter is that they are (laughs) encouraging people to develop the habit of obedience to Christ while they had the freedom and the liberty to do so. Because very soon when persecution hits and it's illegal to read your Bible, it's going to be hard to start reading your Bible. When they're telling you you can't go to church, if you're not in the habit of going to church, it's going to be very hard to to go to church. That we understand now is the time, now is the time to be strong in following after the Lord. And now as we find our way to the book of 1 Peter chapter number 2, we we now see 1 Peter chapter number 2. We spent a lot of time in chapter number 1. Now we finally hit the next chapter, 1 Peter chapter 2. Notice with me in verse number 1. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so being ye have tasted, the Lord is gracious. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, mark what it talks about in verse number two, where it says, as newborn babes. Newborn babes. And with this, we think of babies as a new beginning. And as we have the theme of First Peter, we can see being strong from the beginning. Beginning of what? From the beginning of a Christian life. That we should be strong from the beginning. Now, <laughs> when we come to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, the Holy Spirit, who is God, comes to live with inside of us. And when the Holy Spirit lives with inside of us, we become a new creature. We have a brand new birth. And remember, we spoke about this before uh, last week, that we have to have two births. You have to have a physical birth, and then you must have a spiritual birth. And just as real as your physical birth was, your spiritual birth is just as real. For example, I have three children. If one of my children came up and said, Dad, was I born? I would laugh at him. But of course you were. But Dad, how do you know I was born? I was there. And I could give a time and a place. And we could explain the events and the circumstances that occurred during their first birth. 
Well, just as real as that first birth was, the second birth should be just as real. There was an event. There was a moment where someone opened the Bible, told you about the Bible, described the Bible, and showed you that from the Bible that you were a sinner. Because of your sin, you had offended a holy, righteous God. And because of that, you had deserved to go to an awful place called hell, to be separated from God from all eternity. But Jesus died for you. And there was a time in your life where you personally accepted Jesus as your personal Savior. The moment that happens, you become a new creature. And when you become a new creature, you you should have a new life. The Bible talks a lot about this new life that we have all throughout the Word of God. But when you have this new life, you enter into the family of God. And (laughs) some people have a misunderstanding that they have the idea that once I get saved, that's all. I need. In fact, we had a lady once uh, years ago in Tennessee who we had been working on and we'd been inviting to church and we finally got them to go to church and for a year they started coming and we were working with them. And one day they finally got it and they got saved. Praise the Lord. Gloriously saved. And then they didn't show up to church. What happened? Well, we figured we got saved and that's all we needed. We're done. Uh, That's not how it works. There's something wrong here. You understand, with this new life, it's not the end. That wasn't the goal for you to get saved. You have a brand new beginning. A brand new life in Christ. And you get to explore it. And part of this new life, and part of what we have the emphasis here, is to be strong in this new life that you have. In fact, someone described the Christian life like this, that it is a series of new beginnings and that you just start from where you are and move forward. And we should be strong, always moving forward, watching God work. And so if you don't mind, as we go through here, let's kind of explore a little bit more about this new life. Now, as a reminder that as soon as you get saved, that doesn't mean that everything completely changes and that all of a sudden you're a super Christian automatically. It doesn't work that way. But with this new beginning, we could always be moving forward. Notice if you don't mind as we start in the book of 1 Peter chapter number 2. And the first thing I'd like to show you here is our departing. Our departing. Notice with me in verse number 1. Wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. Before we dive into this, notice the word and. That is a word, uh, it is a conjunction, conjunction to uh, thoughts together. But remember, in the Bible, it often uses this literary method of putting this word and in a list. And when you see that word and inside of a list, it is done purposely to slow down the reader and to put emphasis on each point of this. So when we read it, we understand, wherefore laying aside all malice, and all guile, and hypocrisies, and (laughs) envies, and all evil speakings. When they're putting the emphasis, when God has placed the emphasis like this, he is trying to emphasize that each one of these have to be dealt with. Not them all at once or all as a ball, but each one of these take a hold. Notice again as we take the context. Wherefore, laying aside... All malice. In the book of Colossians, it says a phrase like this, put off. So let's kind of carry that idea. That inside of the Christian life, one of the things we need to depart, we need to put off. Imagine taking off my jacket. 
taking it off. We need to lay aside all malice. We need to lay aside all guile. Lay aside all hypocrisies. Lay aside all envies. Lay aside all evil speakings. Well, let's define our terms now. The word malice carries the idea with the intention to do harm. It carries along with it the idea of rejoicing on the downfall of someone else. Being happy when something bad happens to someone. Well, if we'd be honest with ourselves, that's part of our old nature is that we sometimes cheer when something happens to someone. Uh, something bad happens to someone, especially if we consider him an enemy. Ah, that's what they deserve. Ha <laughs> ha. Well, that's the idea of malice. And the Bible says that part of this new life that we have is that we're supposed to lay aside that malice, that desire to see harm done to someone, that rejoicing when someone goes to a downfall. We need to set that aside, put it aside. Notice as it goes on, wherefore laying aside all guile. The idea of guile carries the idea of deceitfulness. It's a specific type of lying sin that carries the idea, it's so specific, it carries the idea of telling the truth or telling what happened, but leaving out a detail or emphasizing a detail for the purpose of making you look better or someone else look worse. Now, we've all done that. All right, remember when you were a little kid and you had to go, you got in trouble at school and you had to go report back to your parents and you practiced what you were going to say. And you're figuring out what details to use or what things to emphasize so you look better and someone else looks worse. Well, the teacher gave me an F, but it wasn't my fault. I technically did this. She, you know, we come up with an excuse. Well, that's guile. And again, the idea of guile is a small, you're technically telling the truth with an emphasis, with a deceitfulness. Well, when it's using the guile here, it's talking about if God is not happy with such a little lie, he's not going to be happy with any type of deceitfulness. Deceitfulness is never acceptable inside of the sight of God. And so the Bible says that as a Christian, as a new life in Christ, we need to lay aside this deceitfulness. That honesty isn't the best policy, it is the only policy for those who are born again, who are part of God's children. God doesn't lie to us. Therefore, if we're going to develop the character of God, we should be honest in all of our dealings. Notice as it goes on, verse number two, wherefore laying aside all hypocrisies. Hypocrisies. The word hypocrisy comes from a word uh, that means actor. It's pretending to be something that you are not. And again, a lot of people have learned to play a part. So many people have learned to be religious. I learned to dress right, carry my Bible just so, stand up, sit down when I'm told. But inside, they could be so far away from God. The Bible says that we should be the same. So many people are a different person at church than what they are at home. We should be consistent. We, who you truly are is not who you are in public. Who you truly are is who you are in private. When no one else is looking. And the Bible says that we should be consistent, that we need to set aside this acting, that we should be who we claim to be. Set aside all hypocrisies. Being an actor, 
doesn't help out. How many people do we know? It's a bad excuse, but it's an excuse nonetheless that say, I don't like to go to church because of all the hypocrisy. And by the way, they're not wrong, but they should be looking at God, not people. But we don't want to be an excuse for someone not to go to church. We should be a type of people that is consistent. That's who they really are. Notice as it goes on. Wherefore laying aside all malice, all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, envies. Envy brings discontentment. It brings the idea of unsatisfying. By the way, one of the qualifications of a pastor is that we're not supposed to envy. Not to be... Um, um, Oh, can't think of the word. Uh, it's one of the Ten Commandments. Last one. Was it? Covetousness. That carries the idea of envy. Not to be covetousness. You know, for a while I said, what, uh, why is that a qualification of a pastor? And then after you pastor for a while, you start thinking, well, why don't I have a bigger church? Why don't I have this? Why don't I have that? Why don't I have... Why, how come they got those people? Don't you know what a scumbag that pastor is? Why? You understand... Even pastors can become envious and covetousness and desiring something that's not God's will for you to have. That's the idea of covetous, is desiring something that's not God's will for to have. To envy, to desire something, not to be content. By the way, that's our society, is that we're not satisfied. The Bible talks about in the book of Philippians that godliness with contentment is great gain. And the Bible says that we can be satisfied. How can I be satisfied? I'm satisfied in Christ. That when I have Christ, I honestly have everything I need. When I have Christ, I have wisdom. When I have Christ, He provides the finances. When I have Christ, He provides all of these things. The Bible talks about that there are things that we need to put off. That we need to lay aside. Part of it is this envying. This discontentment that we end up having. Not being satisfied with God's will and who God is. Notice as it goes on again. And all evil speaking. The word evil carries the idea with the intention of doing harm. Do you know that evil speaking is classified with gossip? You know what gossip is? Intending to do someone harm. Someone's reputation harm. In fact, in the book of Leviticus, it speaks about Leviticus and equivalates it to murder. Because we're assassinating someone's character. God takes us a very big deal. Unfortunately, gossip is the acceptable sin of the church. Everybody does it. We should not. We need to be careful with our speech. Be careful with what we say because it can hurt people. It could hurt what people think about others. It could build it so people can't trust each other. Even though they've never had any dealings, they have a distrust because someone told me something about them. We need to set this aside. We need to put it aside. This is the old man, the old character. And by the way, this doesn't happen instantly. This is giving directions because it's something we have to work on. It doesn't happen. Woohoo, I'm saved. I'm no longer going to gossip. I wish. These are things that we have to purposely put in mind. Now the question may be why? What's the use? Why put this aside? Well, now we come not only to our departing, but our desire. Notice with me in verse number two. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Now here is our desire. When a baby is born, 
it comes out hungry. And if it's not hungry the first couple minutes, you wait a couple minutes, it will become hungry. And what does it desire? It desires milk. It desires something that it could digest. You're not going to say, all right, you're two hours old. Time for your first T-bone. Let's cut it up. All right. They need to have something that they could digest, that they could process, that's going to help them to grow. And the milk of the word, the word of God, is what people to grow. You ever wonder why some people grow faster than others once they get saved? It's because of their desire for the milk. If you could get someone whose desires get thirst for the word of God once they get saved, they grow. If you have someone who gets saved and they're not in their Bible and they drag their feet and they, they're not going to grow. There is a correlation between digesting the word of God and your growth in Christ. And the Bible here speaks about this. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. When people are not reading their Bible, they are not growing. It's why the greatest thing you could do on a daily basis as a Christian is to be in the word of God for themselves. Of course, our folks know me that my first favorite question in all the world is class. Are you 100% sure if you die today, you go to heaven? What's my second favorite question? How's your Bible? Why do I ask everyone this? Because I want them to be reading their Bible. This is something that we're providing accountability. I'm curious. And by the way, I can tell if someone's growing based off of their answer. You said, really? Oh, absolutely. Well, first of all, have you been reading your Bible? No. You know what? I appreciate your honesty. <laughs> I appreciate that. Because some people will fake an answer. You need to be in your Bible. And you need to be digesting God's word. You need to be spending to it. One of the false ideas that came up is read a chapter a day. Keep the devil away. No, no, no. Satan's happy with you reading a chapter a day. As long as you don't apply it and digest it. You need to be eating God's word. There is a correlation between your growing in Christ and your Bible reading. And if you're not reading your Bible, I don't care what age Christian you are, you're stunting your growth. You must have God's word. Someone will say, how's your Bible reading? Well, I've been in Psalms and Proverbs for how long? Ever? You're not growing. You're not growing. You need the whole counsel of the word of God. Well, I only read the gospel records. I want to know more about Jesus. Well, if you want to know more about Jesus, read all the word of God. Remember, the main purpose of God's word is to reveal God to man. And each book of the Bible tells us something special and unique about who God is. And that if there is a portion of God's word that you're not familiar with, then that's some pieces of the puzzle that you don't have of who God is. For example, we just recently went through a series of the Minor Prophets. Wasn't that amazing? Wasn't that good stuff? I had someone once say before we started, I thought this was going to be boring. It wasn't boring. It was wonderful to go through the Minor Prophets. But we learned about who God is through there. So again, somebody said, well, I just stay with the gospel records. You know, when they say there, I'm just in my Psalms or I'm just in the gospel records, you know what that really translates to? They're not reading their Bible. They're just telling me something. Occasionally they could be right, but then they're just stunting their own growth. 
you need to be reading your Bible systematically. What do I mean by systematically? With a purposeful order. If you, <laughs> I try to correct Christians who say, well, I do for my Bible reading is, and start there. Well, you're going to be missing it because you need context. You need to be able to see everything around it, where things are going. And you're never going to systematic. Remember, the Bible is the unfolding uh, drama of redemption. It is a progressive revelation, meaning that it builds upon itself and exposes. So if you're not reading it in a systematic way, you're not getting the correct buildup. You're not seeing things open up. And you're going to be missing some things in your Christian life that's going to stunt your growth. Again, we're putting a correlation here between the sincere milk of the word and stunting the growth. Since I'm on it, might as well kick this. I hate devotionals. I had someone call me the other day and said, we have a devotional for you. I said, okay, listen, what's your devotional like? Well, it gives <laughs> this. What do you mean? What is a devotional? Tell me about your devotional. Well, we have a verse and then we go through uh, a cute story and just to tie on that verse. I'm not interested. But your church, no, 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 not going to have it. You say, well, that's me. No. You know what happens is that people use the devotional instead of reading their Bible. And they get to the place where they get that one thought. I got the one thought of the day. And they're satisfied with the thought. And they're not digesting the sincere milk of the word. And so being in their Bible is the best. Now, I know a lot of preachers don't like me saying that. I'm just, I'm the pastor here, so I can try to help out. Nothing replaces reading the word of God for yourself. Reading God's word and digesting it, spending time with it. Now, as you grow, there are different ways of reading it. Of course, we put together a chronological Bible. You could read the Bible chronologically. We're thankful for that. We have, as a starting out point, reading the Bible through its great stories. Identify 360 specific stories of the Bible, one for every day of the year. And start developing the habit of reading the Bible systematically in a way. You could read the Bible. I have a cool Bible at home. and has no chapter and verse divisions. We know that chapter and verse divisions are not inspired. They were added later. So now I could read it as it was intended in paragraphs and read it like a story, as a letter. And that's a pretty powerful way. Now I don't have to be distracted by starts and stops. Some people say, well, this is one verse. That's great. Next verse. Or if they read a chapter, they'll read a chapter, but they don't get the context and they forget about it the next morning. And now that things are disjuncted, displaced. Now, that's for a little bit more advanced, but I'm telling you, you should always be reading God's word. Always be digesting. In fact, if you can allow me a personal illustration, for me, I have to uh, do different things. I've read my Bible so many times that I can get to the place where, yeah, I know this story, and then my mind checks out because I could tell the story to myself. So each year, I do a specific study. This year and last year, I've uh, done... Emotions of the Bible. I've never done this before. Our theme this year is the joy of the Lord is our strength. I know I'm going to study emotions. This should be interesting. Oh, I've learned so much. To be able to mark every time an emotion is used, whether it's rejoice or pride. You know, pride's an emotion. As you go through and talk about shame or rejoicing, joy, all of these things and putting them down. So whenever I come to um, a passage uh, talks about joy. I'll put it under joy and write down the entire verse. It slowed down my Bible reading, but I learned so much. Here's something that I learned the other day, reading through um, Ezekiel chapter 20 and uh, saw it in a couple other passages, but it really put it in. 
that the Bible talks about in Ezekiel chapter 20, that when someone disobeys God's word, they are despising God's word. That's how God puts it. It's several times in that chapter, and then I looked and found it a couple different places. Someone despises God's word. When we were talking about it, my daughter brought up, why do people not obey God? She goes, because they don't want to. That's a correct answer, which also ties into despising. I have my will, and here's God's will. I'm going to despise God's will in order to have my will. And God, who knows our hearts, nailed it down with an emotion. You despise. Well, where did I learn that from? My Bible reading. Something I read through in my natural, organized Bible reading. and went, that's good stuff. That helps me. That gives me an understanding about who man is. Remember, we learn more about man, not by studying man, but by studying God, who knows the heart of man, who could tell us what's inside of man. Man, that's powerful. Why does someone disobey? Why do I disobey God's word? Because I despise his word. Well, that's convicting thought, isn't it? That's kind of the opposite of here, that I should desire the sincere milk of the word. So what we have here is this ability to grow through God's word. We see here that as brand new babes in Christ, brand new Christians, there are some things that we should depart. We should lay aside certain things in our life. We should see our desire. Our desire should be the sincere milk of the word, to desire God's word. And the more that you desire, let me pause here. When you learn to take off these other things, you'll desire God's word more. If you allow those things in your life, you're going to desire God's word less. There is a correlation here. But we see our departing, we see our desire, then we also see our decision. Notice with me in verse number three. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Well, the Bible uses this same phrase in the book of Psalms. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. Remember the word taste is carrying a picture action, pictorial language that is giving a literal idea. Now, when it's saying tasting, does it say that we have tasted that the Lord is gracious? All right. Well, I'm going to apply this verse. Give me a good chunk of God. I'm just going to just start gnawing away. Well, when you taste something, what you're doing is you're experiencing it. It's one thing to look at a delicious cookie. It's another thing to experience it yourself, to taste it. My wife has some great lasagna to be able to look at it and say, oh man, look at the cheese all melted. See the lasagna thing all crusted. Oh, look at, look at the meat inside, and the sauce. Oh, it's wonderful. I'm just going to look at it. It does me no good. But to be able to cut that thing and put it on the plate and to eat it myself, to taste it, to experience it myself is something different. So God is using this word tasting as not an idea of actually eating God. We're not cannibals. But it's carrying the idea of experiencing it yourself. If you have tasted and experienced that the Lord is gracious. By the way, it's tying that into our Bible reading. Do you know there are three different people in the word of God that God told them to eat God's word? There's my trivia question for today. See if you could figure out all three and give it to me by the end of the day. Three people that were told specifically to eat God's word. 
And they did. Now, was it mean that, all right, well, rip up this page and eat it? Again, the same idea, to take God's word, to digest it. Remember what the, the context is. Verse number two, as newborn babes desire the milk of the word. That carries the same idea of tasting it, to experience it, to make a decision. And when you eat God's word, digest God's word, desire the sincere milk of God's word, remember the whole purpose of the Bible is to reveal who God is. And you, when you take the Bible, you learn more about God and you apply it to yourself. You experience it to yourself. As you apply it, you see that God keeps his word and that he is good. And we grow. But it is a decision that you have to make. If you know that God is good on the basis of what God has proven to you, follow him. What do you know about Jesus Christ? What has he proven in your life? What has God done for you? If you've tasted and you know that the Lord is gracious, then we should follow him because he is good. He helps us. He helps us to grow. This is a decision to follow after him. Remember, the very first step in deciding to follow after Christ is going to be tied to our Bible reading. Do you want to know more about him? He is our God. He's our Savior that I may know him. Again, the theme of our church this year is the joy of the Lord is our strength. Where does the joy come from? From knowing who God is. And as we joy in the person of God, he becomes our strength. All of this ties in together. If you want to grow that you, the way that you ought, you need to experience God for yourself. To be with him, to learn about him, to prove him, to see that he is good. As you learn more about him and desire him, you will be growing. If you say, well, I've been a Christian for a while. What do I do to grow? Be in your Bible. Digest it. Determine you're going to read more of it. Experience it for yourself. Again, as a pastor, I ask that question, how's your Bible reading? Because I want to see where people are at. And if they haven't been in their Bible, if they're just getting just here, there, I could see someone who's not growing. And I want them to grow. I'm not trying to be mean. Read your Bible or else. I'm saying read your Bible because this is how you grow. Be in your word of God. Learn to digest it. Read until you're full. Spend time with him. Expect him. How do I keep my Bible reading alive? Look for him. Look for him. The Bible gives you a promise that if you seek him, he will be found. And so if you seek him in your Bible reading, he will be found. And when you find God, oh, it's so good. It's so good. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you could give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920 
530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.